Welcome to Fem Lead, the podcast on female leadership and role models. This show aims to inspire and equip you with the tools you need to navigate your career plans. Fem Lead brings inspiring career perspectives and strategies to guide your path to success. Your host, Alexandra, will interview role models on new exciting topics with each episode. If you like what you hear, give us a review and subscribe to the show on your preferred streaming platform. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Family Podcast. A new season started a few months ago, but we already have so many amazing stories shared. So I really hope you enjoyed the season about career breakthrough because today we have yet another special guest. Today's guest is the general manager and VP of products at HubSpot. She has more than a decade of experience leading global customer product and engineering teams. She launched products and built high-performing teams across enterprise software-as-a-service companies and is known for scaling emerging businesses. Purvi Shrivastan is passionate about education, technology, and culture and is an investor and advisor for multiple educational and software organizations. She holds a Bachelor in Computer Science Engineering from India and an MBA in Strategic Management from the Wharton School. Without further ado, let's welcome today Purvi. Welcome. Hello, Purvi, and welcome to FemLead. It's a, really an honor to have you here. How are you today? Um, thank you for making it. Tell us more about how your day is going. Thank you for having me. Uh, my day is going fantastically well. It's a nice spring Monday in California, and I'm excited to do some good product work. Yes, well, I'm super excited to deep dive into your product career. Uh, we both work in the same field and um, we actually follow each other's work on LinkedIn. And I was so happy when, when we got to, to this point where we could schedule the interview to discuss your amazing career, because I think you also have a lot of advice for um, people that look into establishing that career. And I'm very, very interested myself in, in hearing your advice. But then um, for this interview, we agreed that we will deep dive directly on the first question on um, what is success. So I would like to ask you, Purvi, what do you consider that uh, makes a career su successful? That's a very deep question, Alexandra. So I'm going to take some time to unpack my answer with this one. Uh, and I want to start with core values. My core values are integrity, determination, and impact. And I hold these values really close to my heart and mind, both at work and in life. Integrity, because you know, I value honesty and transparency in relationship and communication. It helps to not have multiple versions of the same story. It makes life simpler to remember the one version, which is the truth. Um, determination, because you know, since childhood, I've lived and grown up in a family of academicians or academics who value um, giving up 100% to anything over that, um, even if the outcome is not favorable. So I don't know of any other way to approach things. Um, if I'm taking up a role, a position, a project, I want to run in all of those lanes. I'm all in, else I don't think I'd do it. And then finally, impact, because I've always believed people remember you through how you made them feel in that moment and not necessarily how big of a title you had, how much money you made or, you know, how many people you um, managed. So I want to ensure I reach a position without compromising on these three core values where I can impact people's life positively on a broad scale. And on that path, I'm continuously opening doors. And I don't forget that, that I'm opening doors for people who don't have a seat at the table today. 
And in this process, I also build up financial security for my family and a wealth of knowledge for me. That I truly believe would be a career successful. You mentioned so many keywords that um, many of the listeners are like, I have 20% of that, I have 50% of that, I have 80% of that. So my follow-up question on, on, on success is, um, when was a point where you felt you are able to bring everything together? Because starting by, first of all, you don't know all of the things that you know now about your career. I'm sure <laughs> since the beginning of your career, you didn't know it will, it will be all of these different things that need to fit in together. So when was that moment or how did it come about? Yeah, um, I think for that, maybe I, I would have to go a little bit into my, um, my story. Um, so I, I'll start with my story and then I'll point out if there was a specific moment, I think it was a phase when things actually start coming to you and you make sense of the pieces of the puzzles that had been collecting for a long time. So my story is very simple and rather the story of a lot of immigrants in, in US. I, I was born in India, but I grew up all over the world before moving to America. My parents, as I said, valued academic and excellence of character over everything else. I grew up acing any standardized test I've ever taken. And that's not to boast. It's It's just the only way I knew how to survive and grow. Um, started my career at Microsoft um, back in the aftermath of the financial crisis of 08-09. And that was the first year Microsoft recruited my from my university. And I was one of the first ones. So that was really an opportunistic uh, moment. I will forever be thankful for it. And then all hell broke loose <laughs> with the crash in 09. I was offered a role to lead customer service and operations because my engineering role had been um, downsized. And I unwillingly did that at the beginning of my career. So I worked 5 a.m. shifts um, every day for a year. And I think through that experience, I learned to manage people. I learned to balance empathy and outcomes. Did that for close to a year. That was really a pivotal moment um, to understand that things might not always work my way. I might not always have um, the top spot. I might not always have the best brand on my resume, but I will always have the learnings in that moment from that experience. So that was a big moment. And then thereafter, um, um, I went back to engineering at Microsoft. I did engineering management product and I was close. I was there for close to seven years. Um, Post Microsoft, I wanted to learn and expand my community. So I went to business school at Wharton. And in hindsight, I find it really ironic because um, I'm a rigid introvert. Like I'm an extrovert only if the group is less than four people. And Wharton being such a big school, thousands of people, it was really nerve wracking for me. But I found my crew, I found my people, and it was a great experience, learned a lot. And that was another pivotal moment when I learned to appreciate knowledge, just not in my own vertical, like computer science or business, but also like these other phenomenal things that were happening in healthcare, in education, um, education policy uh, through my classmates. So that's the second moment when I learned to connect the dots between what I am doing and what others are doing to build up a, a higher scale process or a higher scale system or a better team that cross-functional knowledge aspect that came in through, through my business school experience. Um, and then um, I went to Salesforce because I, I really wanted to 
work on the intersection of business technology and at a company who had ambitious and bold plans. And Salesforce fit the bill. Um, I was there again for close to five years and ran product for a number of um, businesses. Um, and then I wanted to focus on another nuanced aspect of life, which is culture. Um, and how do you build a culture that your grandchildren, as we say at HubSpot, can be proud of? How do you build products that are very easy to love, which you don't have to sell, but they sell by themselves? And that is when HubSpot happened. And I'm tremendously grateful that it did. Um, so I, I took the GM role at HubSpot a year and a half ago. And that was a third pivotal moment when um, when I decided that this, this leg of my career is going to be purely focused on culture, people, and building organizations. Wow. It's also a very... Um... It's a career built on years of learning a specific or like um, having a couple of years where you perfect a craft within a company that really offers you maybe some opportunities to grow within, go to conferences, go to business school and so on. And I do have a question about moving up the ladder, if you will allow me to ask, because you said empathy and outcome as keywords in the beginning of your career. And I was curious if you can uh, tell us more about what do you think is um, the percentage when you move up the ladder, when you need to be aware of empathy versus outcome or well, basically your, your skills that would um, recommend you for the role? How do you know that now it's time to have a conversation with your manager? How do you know that now it's time to move forward? Tell us a little bit about your experience there. Yeah, absolutely. So firstly, the ladder, <laughs> the ladder is an interesting word. I tell you this, from my experience, I really don't think it's a ladder. I think it's a pyramid um, because, you know, those who climb at an angle and who take the time to develop the nuances and the skills in that role um, and build those skills are people who reach the tip of the pyramid. It could be a ladder for a lot of other people, but I've always looked at it as a pyramid. And that's why I think it's important to spend the time in the role, um, honing the skills that are required for you to take up a broader set of responsibilities. So in, in terms of what percentage, I don't, I don't know if there is an exact percentage of outcomes and empathy, but I, I would say this, as you go up, you have to master the skill of balancing context with control. And that is even more nuanced for females and even more nuanced for like senior female leaders. How do you, where do you have to be very con context driven versus where you have to assert a little bit of control to guide the decision in a particular direction because um, you can't be debating the decision for, for a year. So I think that, that skill is very helpful. Um, can you ask for promotions? I I always encourage people to think about what is needed for them to get to the next level. And if they're ready, why they're ready. And if they think they're ready and the manager thinks they're ready, they should have the conversation for sure. If the manager thinks there is a gap, they should discuss the context behind the gap. The why in all of this is so much more important than when, because you could be put up for promotion three times a year and be rejected three times a year. And that's something that I personally don't do for my teams unless we both agree that this is the right time. So I 100% I, encourage people to ask for promotions. But after you 
think you are ready, not because someone else got promoted who's in adjacent role to you. I think that 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 I discourage people to do because it's not a real barometer of success in the long term of the pyramid. Definitely. So wise. I love that. Uh, it seems when you discuss um, the different steps in your career, first of all, um, there's so much clarity in what you say. Yeah, you just you just mentioned all of these keywords, and I'm so happy you are so clear about um, what are the the steps or the instances that brought you to where you are now, in your opinion, and how you reflected on your career. Because that's not something that everybody is able to do, even after several years of experience. And as you said, it's about honing your skills, and it's about taking the time to perfect these nuances. And to wrap up this uh, subject of your um, career progression that I think everybody's interested to hear more about, what are then the differences when you are, um, or what are some things where you feel women should be more aware once they reach uh, leadership or senior leadership? Are there some things where you feel like, okay, here I had to pay more attention to? Yeah, um, I I would point towards two things. One is definitely balancing context and control and honing that skill really well so you know which one comes in handy in which situations the second is um, especially for senior um, female leaders I think it's important for them to listen it's important for anyone to listen but especially important for them to listen um, before responding because People expect female leaders, female leaders for good or for worse, to have um, very empathy-driven mindset. And if you're a good listener, you are in the moment, you are able to provide that value for your teams, for your organization. So I think listening is um, it, it's a very easy skill if you think about it that way. You know, I'm able to listen to any anybody, but it's it's a very crucial skill to have in. Um, critical discussions, critical decisions. And that's what I encourage people on my team to do, to listen before they speak and present their opinions, because then it will be very clear on why you're saying what you're saying. So I think those two skills uh, will come in very handy. Very, very cool. I want to follow up with um, your, your advice for our listeners who are now at the beginning of their careers or in the first five years of their careers. What do you advise them to, to look for? Yeah, so for people starting their careers, I would say value two things. Value who are you working with and who are you learning from? And second is um, how much can you learn in that period? Over titles and how quickly you can move up to um, the pyramid. Um, you know, as you travel through the pyramid, you'd realize those two things, your skills and your network is one of the most important aspects of, uh, of your career. So build that when you still have time. Um, so that would be my advice. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Purvi. A lot of advice in 15 minutes so far. So I, I'm super happy that you, you you give us now the time because I'm sure there's even more coming. So let's talk a little bit about uh, mentorship because mentorship is an essential part of your story. And uh, we are trying here to inspire and help listeners in their quest for professional fulfillment. So where do we start with finding a mentor? And how do you think we should approach our career path knowing that basically mentorship is key to becoming a better person? Yeah, so, you know, one of the most interesting things about mentorship is it's a two-way road. 
like both in terms of interest and exchange of skills and knowledge and even sometimes motivation. I often see folks um, asking to be mentored without knowing why someone would be a good mentor. Is there a connection? And how will both parties benefit from this process? Um, you know, very honestly, for me, I've had both formal mentors through various programs that I was part of in my um, um, in, in my runs at Microsoft, Salesforce, and now HubSpot. And outside, these people who I've worked with and connected on social platforms or in through conferences, um, and a group of those have taken over the role of my personal board of advisors, uh, I call them, which I'm tremendously thankful for. I think the thing to understand is that you have to prove your value 10x to a person before you start asking for their advice. This is like sort of the unsaid rule. You have to provide more value before you start getting the value back. So I encourage folks to not go after like, again, big titles and senior leaders for mentorship. Um, anyone who's a step or two beyond you or anyone who's actually even adjacent to you in a different role can be a great mentor. In, in fact, the role of peer mentors is so critical when you go up the pyramid. And think about it. The people that are with you today who are working alongside you are going to be the CEOs and the CESOs and the CPOs of tomorrow uh, when you do reach that level. And you'd want advice from what's working in their company versus what you want to make work in your company. So that's why I say, like, don't go for half an hour with the CEO, go for like five hours of support with like someone who's more inclined and has been in the role recently as you are. So in short, invest in other people before they invest in you. And second, find those like-minded individuals to set up your personal board of directors for mentorship. Very, very straight to the point and also very knowledgeable of what really works from your experience. So I'm super happy that you we covered that as well. Let's talk next about women in leadership because that was something we really wanted to touch upon. How can we support more, more the, this endeavor of have, having more women in leadership? And also maybe if you have... A, if you want to share more about your experience now as at HubSpot, I think it would really help people understand how things are now at your career uh, path. Yeah, I'll start with HubSpot. You know, my experience has been phenomenal. We have a board and a C-suite, which is approximately 50% women. I don't know of many other organizations who are or aim to be in that spot. My personal experience has been quite amazing. I think my dream was to walk in a conference room and the discussion and the engagement is so that I don't have to really think about male versus female in that room. So both in terms of quantity and quality of female leadership, HubSpot has invested a lot across the board, right, from recruiting to growing and to retaining female talent. I think how can we support this endeavor? Um, we just have to put ourselves out there, do more open mentorship, do more discussion forums, engage more like we are engaging right now on a podcast and open it up for women. I think one thing that we lack um, specifically in female leaders, senior female leadership is once a lot of us like reach that seat or we get that seat at the table, we forget that there are others waiting in queue to come in into that room. And it's not easy once you are in that position, but that's what it, you have to keep reminding yourself that I have to leave the seat for someone else to come in, someone who's not got a chance to learn. So I think that that specifically, I, I try to be very mindful of 
um, to get more people into the room who've not had that privilege that I have been able to get at this point. Fantastic. Very good points. And um, speaking of that, I feel like when we discuss career paths, and obviously this podcast is focused on advancing women in leadership and giving advice and sharing role models, we also need to be aware of the fact that um, there is this subject of difficult conversations that sometimes we don't discuss about. In anybody's career, they they have to have sometimes some difficult situ- uh, conversation. There are difficult situations you need to manage. You need to be empathic and you know to know uh, all of these different uh, points of contact to ask for advice. But how would you say we should approach, in general, difficult conversations in our career path? Yeah, um, that's a great question. You know, going into a difficult conversation where there is a natural tension or discomfort, I think one needs to be very clear about A, what is going on, B, why it's important, see the different options on the table, and four, what are the pros and cons of each option. I know this probably sounds very mathematical and formula driven, but unless you yourself are clear on those four things, you'd not be able to provide that crystal clarity to the other party. Um, And then the second thing, once you're clear on those things is being ready for um, debate and discussion, but also disagreeing and committing. Um, One of the principles that we have at HubSpot is we, we debate a lot, we participate um, in in all discussions, but once we have made that commitment to a decision, we all rally behind it. You know, it might not be a decision maybe like I'm personally in favor of or someone else's, but we've made that decision as a company and then it's all unanimous. Uh, and that helps moving forward effectively once you've had that discussion. So I, I'd say that those two things are important when you're in a crucial conversation, have clarity of perspective on why you're there, what you're debating and what are the options on the table. And second, like have your um, thoughts, like you have opinions, but have them loosely held. So if the discussion does go in a different direction, you are able to commit. And those two things have been helpful for me. And I'd love to know, like, you know, when the podcast comes out and you get some feedback from the viewers, what has been helpful for other people? Definitely. I mean, you know, we give a lot of advice here that we say, write us or contact us uh, six months later and tell us how did it go because um, everything we discuss here is quite complex and it's a very personal journey to talk about your career path and then expect me to have the same path it's not going to happen so the the chances of having a you know a copy of your uh, your of your career for be are quite uh, you know maybe maybe in the future there are chances of, of meeting each other at conferences but it, it's not going to be the same <laughs> the same trajectory yeah. right so Definitely feel free to write us or tell us more about how you implemented this and maybe if there were any other reflections about this topic that is very important to tackle. Culture, conversation, uh, roles, those are things that evolve also as we progress. So I'm very happy you mentioned that because I would like for our listeners to tell us their experience. And uh, speaking of culture, um, I would like to tell everyone that Purvi did have a very a uh, very genuine way of sharing um, now the scope of her role. And you did mention, Purvi, that it is essential if we invest in people, processes, and products to grow strong leaders for tomorrow. And that those are very three important parts. But I will also like to look into each of these points and explain how do you see us investing in the leaders of tomorrow for from the people, process, and product perspective? Yeah. Um, I've been saying this for a long time now. I think businesses 
for for them to grow and innovate, they need these three things. They need products or services that are easy to use, easy to buy, and easy to love, as as what we call at HubSpot. They need um, systems and processes that make up for communication gaps and help scale the company. Because as you're scaling, there will be communication gaps. You'll not be able to communicate one-on-one to everyone. Um, And then third, the most important part of this is people. People who are committed to the mission, to the culture, and to the growth, and are willing to stick through the long road with you. You As companies invest in these three areas, they form the foundation for transparent, growth-oriented, and empathetic leadership. So people in these roles, so leaders, can optimize for company and customers above their team and above themselves. And when that happens, as a leader, you're clear what you're optimizing for. You're going for customers, you're going for company, team, and then yourself. And then the reward system is going to be also following the same model. You are aligned to do your best work every day because what you're working on and what you'd be rewarded with is kind of the same thing. And that's how I think it helps people um, grow through the leadership ranks. It helps people um, become successful as uh, leaders of tomorrow. Very, very wise. And also, um, as I said, very clear. So I think everybody has uh, some notes to take and uh, put that into practice. Thank you. Thank you, Purvi, for, for following up on this question. Um Something else that I wanted to touch upon that is obviously part of your role is building healthy cultures. And well, you did mention that in the beginning, but um, what do you see as pillars for success in building a healthy culture? You'd see me doing this like uh, three point answers a lot, because in my mind, I've always thought about things like if I can boil this problem down to like three successive areas that we can focus on, we, we can solve the problem. So a healthy culture, in my opinion, stems from three things. Number one is is a sense of purpose and shared values. You have to have that at the core of our organization. Number two is a clear idea of priorities and focus on what you're working towards for this year, next year. And number three is a system to help drive decision-making when you have so many actors um, in the room. As long as the company provide guidelines for each of these three areas and continuously reassess and iterate on the status quo, they are building and enhancing what I call an equitable and growth-oriented culture. At HubSpot, we have our culture code, which we are tremendously proud of. We have our shared values, which are, we we say it's a heart. So humble, empathetic, adaptable, remarkable, and transparent. And then we continuously work to iterate as we grow on what else can we add to our culture that will help us grow forward and keep our people happy. So I think a mix of those three things, you know, purpose, shared values, clear priorities and focus, mm-hmm. and a system to deliberate decision-making and help drive decision-making is what I feel define a healthy culture. Is there one of the three that you feel it's, you know, if you don't have that, it's like not gonna, you know, if you don't start with that or if it's not the focus in the beginning, it's not gonna work? I think purpose and shared values, because that's like that's like key foundational to why someone would be interested to work in a particular company. Like that's yes. the reason I, I came to HubSpot. I'm sure millions of other people did um, as customers, as employees and as partners. But um, I, I think that's like P1 in terms of priorities, getting a sense of what you're driving towards, why you exist and why is it different from someone else? Definitely. 
Wow, we you shared a lot of uh, a lot of advice, and uh, everything is very straight to the point because you did have um, a reflection on your career, and obviously you did spend the time to, as you said, uh, focus on those nuance skills. And you know, you had quite a incredible growth in all these large companies. And I was wondering if, looking back, you would do, would you do anything differently? Yeah, um, looking back, you know, I'd, I'd really not push myself so hard in my initial years for like not running as fast as few other peers who were running at that point in time. You know, as I'm growing my skills and responsibilities and even like maturity in life, I realized that knowledge and people are the most important factors in my career and to other careers as well. And titles and social and political capital will change. You know, someone I think today is not in a great spot with respect to their careers can accelerate in the next two years. Um, and someone who's doing fantastically well today uh, can stay status quo. So I now anchor on things that I can control, which is building knowledge and people. And I wish, you know, I did anchor on those super early in my career as well. Definitely. It's a very interesting that you say that. And I'm happy you do share it because it's not the first time I'm hearing this answer about giving yourself the time to figure out what's right without putting too much pressure on yourself. And this is also the, um, I would say, uh, the focus of, uh, of youth now and young people going into the work uh, workspace that should I be faster? Should I be better? Should I progress, uh, you know, every two years um, by default? Or should I take it easy and figure out what's what's going on there? And, you know, it's interesting and uh, reassuring when someone else tells you, you know, if you don't have everything figured out, you're going to be fine either way. It's not it's not the end of the world. So definitely something to for our audience to consider as well. Let's go then into the final five fire questions. So I will start by asking you, what is one book you think everyone should read? Um, everyone is a very broad customer target segment, but I will say um, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. It's one of my favorite childhood books. Um, and I think it's a wonderful book for witnessing life through the lens of a child, a parent, just a human being. Fantastic. Thank you. What is the best piece of advice you have ever received? The balance of context and control is critical in life. Very nice. Who is your role model? Uh, external role models keep on changing as I've grown and now appreciate character and qualities differently than I used to. But my parents, um, my dad for his admirable commitment and sincerity to his work, um, and my mother for her commendable spirit to compromise her career aspiration for hours, something I don't think I will ever do. So really, um, um, those people define uh, character and skill sets in life for me. Thank you. If you were to have another career, what would you choose to do? I have oscillated between a writer, a stand-up comedian, and a dancer. Uh, I haven't picked one. So with those three, I think I have a solid backup plan if tech doesn't work out. Well, that's fantastic. I love that all of them are in the arts entertainment industry. So there's a there's a backstory there of how if tech doesn't work, like you said, there's always a plan B. <laughs> Fantastic. And last question. If you could change places with someone, who would it be and why? You know, after the last couple of weeks, I'd say Elon Musk. I just want to know how decision-making happens in his brain. Um, so yeah, I'll leave. Uh, I'll probably want to be in his brain for a few hours. Yeah, very, very interesting. And also the times we're living are very interesting. So 
uh, great question to ask ourselves, definitely. Purvi, you've been so grateful with your time and with your advice. I want to thank you for taking the time. We have been uh, very, very uh, condensed in the advice that you shared, and I hope that it, it helps our audience with making some decisions, but also considering maybe a bit their career path, reflecting on it and asking those questions about what are the values, what are the steps, what are the processes they should definitely have to progress. And uh, yeah, I want to thank you for taking the time and for joining us here at Femlead. I hope you had a, a good time as well. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate what you're doing for the community. And um, that's how we'll progress by learning from each other. Definitely. And thank you all for listening today. I hope you had fun. Like, like we enjoyed this interview and stay tuned for more updates with the incredible female role models. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Fem Lead Podcast. Share the news with your friends and follow us on social media at Fem Lead Podcast everywhere.